My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. It's a well-documented fact that rent prices during the last couple of years during the COVID-19 lockdown absolutely slumped and not only have they come back with a vengeance but have roared past their previous levels and presently show no signs of stopping. Now um, if you ask any estate agent, member of the public or politician why that is, the likeliest answer you would get is that supply is simply outstripping demand but what if it's actually about more than that and to this end this is why we're joined on today's programme by Alistair Kerr from Acre Properties to discuss exactly what is going on in the private rental market. Um, Alistair very warm welcome to yourself today and by all means thank you for joining us on the show you're welcome scott thank you it's fantastic having you with us alistair now um just having set the scene there um it's well documented isn't it that rent prices did fall during the covid lockdown and now they've come back as i said there with a vengeance um so from your point of view why has this happened it isn't just a case of demand outstripping supply is it there are sort of more forces in play here i think it's fair to say uh, very definitely. To put it in perspective, Scott, let's say we've got a level point of 100 points. So prior to COVID, landlords are getting a certain level. Let's say the base level is 100. Once you get lockdown, uh, that was obviously that came in, people were restricted, you couldn't show places, people were uh, told if you can't work, about uh, work from home or alternatively people would work elsewhere so there was an exodus certainly i'm speaking from the point of view that my london uh, my base is in london i think you'll find that throughout the country that many cities lost many people some went to obviously live with their parents or friends etc outside there was a tremendous demand for is there a place with an outside space i.e a garden and so many people were saying, oh, my goodness, if you live outside a city, you've got lots of choice because generally the demand wasn't there in the first place or it was a certain level. So within, I would say, three months, certainly four months, we lost a lot of people. And you couldn't blame them. Uh, they were being told, look after yourself. And there, there was an exodus. It took a, a sizable toll on us and all other people that were in that market. I would say we would be operating at 80 points very quickly so you, there's a standard 80 so if you think about it lockdown went on day after day week after week month after month and people would if originally perhaps when mr johnson said we're going into lockdown we're thinking maybe maybe it's two or three weeks etc but i don't think anyone had a, a thought that it would be in periods of six months and it really was the best part of two years with lockdowns releases etc but what happened was clearly that people got very used to and adapted to working from a different location. Laptops, Zoom technology came in. And so people were surviving. And actually some businesses were clearly uh, growing and doing well. So we're down at, at 80. The due course, there is the question of, right, you can return to place of work. There was clearly mention of work from home. It became a, an acronym. Mm. You saw it everywhere. People were talking about hybrided models. And certainly that was the case with this business. And I think I said early on in one communication that we thought that we would have that sort of uh, system and it's, and it's come to, to fruition. So what happened? Well, 
all of a sudden, around about, I would say, April of uh, last year, the man started coming in. We had rooms to let to professionals, all, all manner of people, key workers, uh, accountants, economists, retailers, you name it, a wide variety. But why would the man come back when you think of there was a number of people left the country and also went home to their country? Not all would come back. You can't expect 100%. You can also expect that when there's Brexit as well, mm. that's meaning exit, not coming into the country, you're not going to get to 100. So how would it go past? So this is this is what happened. So, uh, I couldn't understand. I asked the agents. They really didn't give me a clear picture. And then I saw one article. It's only one article I saw. And it related to a furniture manufacturer, which uh, the, the company makes blinds. And they took out a survey. And I suppose... Looking at the bigger picture, I can fill in some of the data that they didn't give. But if you went back to you know, year one, mm. the population of Britain was under one million people. Today, it's about 67.5 million by census and probably past 68 million. And I believe last year we had a huge intake of people of about a million. Usually the net immigration is 200,000. But what happened was there were 25 million Households out of the 67.5 million, 25 million households. Now, this is a key component. In this study, they established that it was about very, prior to COVID, 18 million spare rooms. And this is really, really important. Think about the supply and then think about demand. If all of a sudden, after COVID, those spare rooms, people's smaller bedroom, or the box room, or maybe part of the, the lounge starts to get used where before they could sit, give a friend, yes, you can stay with me for two or three months. But after COVID, half of the, the amount vanished. So in effect, 9 million rooms, which were viable, disappeared. Because now, if you think about it, uh, you may be the same as many people. You have a place that you work from at home which you may not have been using before. And you may also go into a place of work. So you've got a place at work and you've got a place at home. And when because you're using the place at home, it's basically keeping that out of the circulation. And so we found massive demand. It came in quite quietly in, in April and started building. And uh, I've never seen demand like it. I couldn't get my head around about it. And uh, on occasion, we'd open up and see to an advert there were well over 100 people for one room. It's never been like this, but that is really the answer to your question, Scott. Mm. There was a once and forever change, and I can't, unless the government decides, and it would take a very brave government to say, oh, we're all going back to the office. There's absolutely no work from home principle. It couldn't work. Um, so that's what happened. Half the rooms have gone. And then you think, well, who would be, who, who would have the other half, the other 9 million? I would suggest, although it hasn't been stated, but I would strongly suggest it would be people that are beyond 50 retirees who do wish their 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 home location to remain that way. They may have visitors from time to time, but they won't have probably quite as much uh, motivation to have someone being with them for three, six months at a, at a time, which is really what my business requires for professionals. So that's really the... the the disappearance of a huge chunk of uh, available space. It's almost as if they will take, in God's terms, uh, 
has a population of 9 million. Imagine if everyone was lucky enough to have a two-bed. Well, all of a sudden, the second bedroom is gone. Mm. So the size of London is out of your equation. So I, I think when I asked, uh, we obviously communicated by um, email. You looked into it, but no one's actually said that, have they? You're absolutely right. It seems to be something that sort of people have really missed. I mean, they talk an awful lot about the fact that, you know, the, the government isn't building enough houses. It's sold off social housing stock to the private sector through right to buy. But this is something That's that appears to be missed. Exactly, yes. That's not the answer. That, that happened in the 80s. So why did it all of a sudden go from 80 points to 120? The answer is nothing to do with the fact that there's been 12 housing ministers in 12 years, which is, you imagine if there had been 12 uh, head teachers in 12 years at a school, I don't think you would be thinking the Ofsted would be excellent. It doesn't really matter to that. The, the target never really gets achieved. I think 300,000 is the, pro, uh, the figure they're looking at. The last time I think I'm right in saying that that target was ever achieved was in the 1950s. So it's the target that's not going to be achieved. The fact that, as I say, uh, um, a friend passed some information that was in a paper about net immigration of one million. So if you're not supplying enough places and more people are coming in, surely there must be huge demand, excess demand on the supply. And also you can talk about infrastructure with schools, hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. And so what has happened is just a massive change. And unless there's legislation in there, and it won't be forthcoming, that 9 million won't be coming back onto the market. And that's why we've had, uh, we've got some associates that work with us and groups. We've had large numbers turn up for shared accommodation. Students have come back, obviously. Um, I think one of the replies was, oh, students are coming back to universities. Well, the universities have been going, <laughs> appealing to students since I think, Oxford in the 1200s. They were always, uh, they were always there pre-COVID. I'm sure they've come back and maybe uh, there'll be more places available to them, but you still need, on the other side of the equation, enough places to service the need. And so, fine if you're a landlord. I'm a, a landlord with uh, a company set up, but I wasn't always that way. And I really feel sorry for private landlords mm. because the legislation goes so badly against them. And I, I shouldn't be saying that. I should say it's fantastic. I'm a company landlord. You know, I'm protected whilst you're exposed. But I view things in terms of what's best for the country. Do we need more or do we need less? Because it is going to be less uh, because of the tightening um, financial constraints that are imposed by the 2015 Finance Act. So it's it's something that we can look at. No doubt you'll be asking for other solutions, but that's the background. It is fundamentally. It is totally a, a changer, game changer. Nine million out. I checked with the, the chief executive, one of the lenders that I uh, with and, and use, and they said, well, the original, original stat was 7.2 million, but they, they've had a look into it and they thought it's more like half, which is the, the nine million, which I've just mentioned to mm. you. 
It's staggering, isn't it, that um, it almost seems like a perfect storm of factors um, because what's happening as well is that when we're seeing people sort of coming back into the urban centres with the return of work from home, you have, as you say, those people holding on to spare space because they need a home workspace. And the demand, therefore, is so, so high that those professionals that are competing for somewhere to stay, competing for accommodation, they're also sort of putting in inflated offers, aren't they, above the asking price to try and obviously get the place that they need. So it's all sort of coming together and driving prices up, isn't it? Well, it's a perfect storm. And uh, I've seen some things I've never seen before. You, you, there's times that I had lots of, you know, hotel standards rooms completely empty. You can't blame people for returning to their home country or out to someplace beyond uh, London, there was a very good reason we're all in it together. You know, there's a pandemic. But what's happened since is that uh, some landlords may have felt that they've had uh, issues with payments, etc. And they've, they've gone with uh, taking an opportunity, or they see it as an opportunity, to strengthen their position rather than ask for what is customarily, usually within the market, eight, uh, six weeks as a deposit. Some are taking three to four months. That's never been something that's happened before. But it's because they're getting deluged with demand. They can mm. look at probably the best applicant and say, well, we may be taking a chance with you. So to, to compensate, can we have a larger amount? And people are saying yes, because it's either they, they, they can't get to the office or wherever the place of work is. Then they miss by an inch. They miss by a mile. So I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. We've we've done different things. We've actually negated uh, deposits. Not all the time we have a deposit rule just now, but we will look at different ways of addressing the situation. But I've never seen uh, things like this. And the one group, um, there was one property that has been let out continually through one of our associates. Mm. Five, five bed had 69 groups of people. We've never had that sort of demand to see a place in one day. And uh, I think the, the rent was 20% higher. And, you know, uh, admittedly, the people have been in, I think, two, three years before, so they probably had a minor rent rises, but because the demand's so, so large, and I think the calibre of people were very good. But that's the sort of thing we're looking at, Scott. And, you know, I quite like gradual movement. I can plan things, but this has been like a tsunami and if this situation doesn't change what is likely to happen as a result of all of these factors coming together to make this perfect storm if this keeps going on what what are we looking at here well there's quite a few things that get in the way um as we're looking at it i think uh out to the end of this year prices will still remain strong we now have economic factors such as obviously this very sad situation in Ukraine has fairly quickly had a knee-jerk reaction on energy prices and you, you only have to go near petrol price uh, pumps to see at one stage we're up at 199. I think now it's eased back, 185. But it takes time to, to look at supplies elsewhere and bring them in and come off other things. But there's a sort of yet to get an equilibrium price, but it doesn't help when you're seeing in newspapers that the average price of your electricity and gas may be X amount, and for a household it could be £4,000, whereas before it may have been, I don't know, 1200 or 1400 So that, again, uh, purely speaking from a business point of view, 
has to be a factor that one concerns. For example, if you are paying for the bills as a landlord to streamline things for people, well, you'll have to have um, an equation which covers that. Otherwise, when a, a lender is looking at your numbers, the, your, your margins are being cut down. So I think there will be... <laughs> You know, accommodation is a basic right, isn't it? If you don't have a roof over your head, that's difficulty. So I think prices with rents will have to reflect what's happening in the economy. And if inflation's running at, say, 7 or 10%, I think there will be that, there will be that move. So that is, that is going to be hard. It's, it's supply and demand. It's you know, back to Adam Smith and his wealth of nations. You can't continue uh, to be deficiting as, a, as anyone would be in that position. Otherwise, you'll have to sell up and come out. And if the more people sell up and come out, that reduces the stock. And it's generally going to be more people fighting over, over uh, a diminishing market. And so I, I see yeah. that probably in the next couple of years, we may, if we've got inflation in the economy, and that will be prices, and I suspect house prices, because the building materials are going up as well. No one wants to put a, say, an extension that would have cost, you know, the house in London might be 100, 150,000 for your three-bed house, maybe mm. 200, 250,000. No one will want to sell on without at least covering their costs. Of course, we've seen people leaving the market even during COVID, haven't we? So it's highly yeah. likely now that if the situation isn't resolved, we're going to see more people um, essentially, like say, just selling up, packing up and just leaving the industry because they just can't justify justify the outlay. Well, I, I, I know of uh, three people that are by to let individuals. One's been 20, 20, 24 years, the other's about 19, 20 years, and both are selling up because there, there isn't anything in it uh, other than paying the capital, and one may have to sell their primary residence because uh, the person hadn't taken into consideration capital gains tax. And so that person may be actually financially worse off as a result of putting roofs over people's heads. It's, it's strange, isn't it? It's, it's a very stringent act that came in. No other country, as far as I'm aware, has uh, as restrictive and punishing taxation law of people who are providing accommodation in private name. You wouldn't happen in any of the industries in the UK. If you're a company, it doesn't happen. So one minute I could be an individual, the next is I put on a company hat, I'm fine. You know, I pay tax at 23%, but potentially if it was an individual's name, 45%. This is the one that really has a damaging effect. And with interest rates going up, it will increase the pain and possibly increase the possibility of people leaving. Imagine if um, you've got a place. Well, there are two places. One's in company, one's in private. The person that's got a private property can only have, will have to pay their interest on their loan. That's fair enough. That's a contract with the lender. But when it comes to expensing the interest, which is allowable with all industries, you're only allowed to expense one-fifth the amount. If you or me are next door with the company, we're allowed 100%. There's a huge difference. So you have to pay the lender, but unlike any other thing, you have 
to have uh, there's a differential calculation. It goes so badly against private landlords that it really will hasten their speed to, to come out of the market. So when we think about what can be done about this, I suppose what the government needs to do is it needs to look at the tax system, doesn't it? Because it is disadvantaging compared to other countries. And when we've got 12 housing ministers in 12 years, as we've said earlier, that haven't hit their new homes target, I suppose ministers are only shooting themselves in the foot by taxing home providers, as you call them, out of the market with their policies. Well, I'll use the word home provider because if you spoke to a person in the public and say, do we need home providers? You're not going to get many people. No, no, no. So they're going to say yes. As soon as you say a landlord and they're not a person that owns a property, mm. then certain connotations come in. And it's easy to, from a political point of view, say, oh, we wish home ownership. Great. I'm all for home ownership. I've even written an article to help those people on which wish to be first-time buyers. There are solutions, but you have to have a real sincere approach. Now, with the renting, there was a decision that we want more people to be able to buy their homes. Absolutely fantastic, great. But really, the products that are available are pretty poor. You'll notice in the papers today, and actually there's a paper yesterday, there's a Daily Mail, we're talking about 50-year loans. I mentioned that in 2019. But I also mentioned other things which are easy to do, doesn't cost the government a lot, and allows people to get on the market. It's yet to happen. Maybe it won't, but at least I feel confident that I came out with something which works, and especially with my background in finance and having helped banks with products. I think it's not far off what can be done. So what can be done, you mentioned 12 housing ministers in 12 years, which I was the one to throw in. You'd be saying, well, if it was a headmaster or a head of a business, there must be something seriously wrong. Mm. I think the target is purely, here's a number, let's see if people will be happy to go along with it. There may be other good reasons why people keep changing. But ultimately, what we need is, if the government's purpose is to serve and protect, are we going to serve more or less people by having a system of contraction which was set up at a time of, shall we say, peace, 2015. No one saw that there was still ructions and financial disturbance. And then when we had COVID, where people are saying, isolate, well, you're more likely to cram in people into less space if you you don't open the market. There's also the psychological factor, Scott. People are empowered with their life. They get on with it. And earlier, I'd like to see people getting their first purchase earlier in life and mm. starting a family and, and moving forward. But coming to your question, what do we do? Is the legislation now fit for purpose? Yes or no? What's the benefit of having less people providing accommodation? Is that what the, the, the man in the street, the woman in the street, whoever is in the street would wash one? I can't imagine that's the case. But with their backs to the wall and the, the effectively come out of a an alternative war where people have been shut away for nearly two years to come out and have restraints surely give people freedom, freedom of movement, the possibility of starting a life. And the thing is, the more accommodation is provided, doesn't it mean that prices go down, not up? Because people have more choice. And chances are standards would go up. Because the person's not guaranteed by putting on a, a substandard property 
they'll go out and be rewarded for it, even after being a competitive market. So certain rules should also, also. for example, councils are an offshoot of central government, okay? They're local mm. government. But one one street, the left-hand side of the street is one borough, the right-hand side is another. You might be putting uh, three or four people in their property in one side of the street, and then you find out, oh, it's not, it doesn't comply with their standards. But yet, you put them on the other side, you're fine. You might be punished or fined on one side, and you may be thanked uh, and, uh, and rewarded on the other. So wouldn't it be better to say, if you've got accommodation, then if the room sizes are fine, then you could have three or four people there. It doesn't have to be a family with two small children. That's four people. Four adults, who are paying tax, maybe in many people's eyes, better than uh, you know, a mum and dad and the children who at that stage may be on benefit, have to be supported. I'm all for helping people, and we've got many people that um, have been uh, benefit uh, supported, and they're great. We've got many that go back 20 years. We look at people long term. But that needs to be joined up thinking, what do we want? Less possibilities. And I'm not looking for less possibilities in life or in business. Exactly that. It's some. It's so. There's some tough questions, certainly for the government to answer, and that also goes for uh, for local authorities as well. And we did mention the uh, the first time buyers um, thing there, and it, I know that it is something that we do want to go into a little bit more depth in a term a different time. Uh, but sure. I think it is important to uh, to just sort of talk about um, what does need to change briefly for first time buyers, because that also is having an impact on the private rental market, isn't it? So. Um, yeah. What do we think does need to be done, sort of in the immediate term, that ministers also need to be considering here? Right, uh, that's not, not a political problem. Can I just ask you: Do, do you rent, Scott? Are you lucky enough to have your own home? Um, yeah, so I, I rent myself. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm very much one of those people. Okay. Um, let me, broadly speaking, is it uh, five or ten years you've been renting? Um, so it's now been three years for myself. Three years. Three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say, I, I can give you an example. You might actually be a person who's been, funny enough, I've had that experience. But when I came down to London 40 odd years ago, I was very fortunate that I had someone who's available to me. And the nationwide, sorry, a little bit of advertising, we would open an account through the wisdom of the mother, saying, Alistair, you may be 13, but in due course, this might be beneficial. And it, <laughs> it turned out to be wise because they used to have a system where they saw how long you've been with them, how you say, individual, could we back you? And they were very good. Nowadays, it's if you meet general criteria. So uh, in my report, which you may refer back to, there was an individual I stated. His his rent was 1100 per month. He was also saving 300 a month. Uh, and he went to his bank and he'd had uh, this sort of um, amount year after year. It was about seven years from my collection. He goes into his bank. He says, well, I'm thinking of a first-time buyer um, property. What can you do for me? So they, they go and get the computer, the things through, and they say, right, okay, this is the amount. It's four and a half times your, your gross income. That's pretty much standard that's been going on for decade after decade. Mm. And he said, Okay, and what's the amount? 
Right. So if we just look at the interest element, here you go, Scott. 250 quid. That's what you could afford per month for a man that's saving with the female organisation month after month, year after year, £300. But beyond that, he's got a satisfactory track record of six, seven years of £1,100. So he can afford month after month, year after year, 1400 The bank says 250 Now that is just not on, really. Mm. <laughs> but there should be ways, maybe there's, there could be ways where private individuals or enterprises can help someone. So you could say, well, that's surely the rule of a lender. Sure, a bank, that's what they do. Mm. But they're constrained. You've got three parties to this. You've got government, you've got a regulator, financial service regulator, and you've got banks and, and building societies and the like. So they can give, give criteria. This man would have needed about £60,000 to bridge the gap in, in the area that uh, he lived in to to get a studio flat. It's an expensive area. He could, fair enough, outside of London, maybe have afforded something. But on that basis, he was back to square one. And yet, if they had said, I tell you what, we'll look at a conservative figure. Now, if we gave you something which worked out as, say, 400 a month, Basically, you'd only have to chip in ten or fifteen thousand pounds, and I think he may have had thirty or forty thousand pounds saved up. So he could have moved in within a month. He's still renting, mm. and so that's three three plus years on. Now I'm sure that if you went in to do an experiment, the person would probably say, "I know it's bonkers," and you would know it's bonkers. They would know it's bonkers. The bank would know it's bonkers, and no one changes. Now. When everyone agrees it's bonkers, you've got to be doing something. People, why did people go to school? Why did people go to universities and hear such nonsense? Fix the problem. So the way to fix it is this. How hard is this? Each party agrees. The lender, the, the person, in your case, if you were that person, you're a good credit risk. No problems? Yeah, clear. You got deposit? Yeah. You're earning money? You could even say, we'll give you 100% because you're, you're good for £1,400. So the difference on the 250 is you, you can give us um, 1150 each month and that will reduce down your position. So by the end of the year, you've paid £13,000. There's your deposit. You could do 100, 100%, but no one's got the smarts in this or the motivation. The regulator generally is fearful that if something goes wrong, they'll be told the regulator allowed us to. And the banks are fearful of the regulators, so they'll play the safe card. And unless the government sits around with all parties and says, there is a solution, that could be an easy solution. You're still going to have to hammer the bank and mom, to mom and dad. So my option, this costs nothing. So if there's any government officials, listen in. Right, you have a separate agency. Really? Yeah separate referral agency. You thought you've been denied something that you feel is, is fine. The bank actually says you're fine, but they, they can't do anything. So it gets referred to an agency. Now that agency can be composed of whatever professionals you like. Mm. Engineer, architect, lawyer, doctor, retired, you know, up and running people. But they look at it and say, right, if this was fixed time, this person could get it. And if it's fixed for five years, and maybe they do put in half of this amount they save after six 
years, how much would that be? They can afford it, surely. And so they rubber stamp it. The regulators in the clear. The bank is happy to lend because they know the person can afford it. So they lend the mortgage. The guy gets, the, the, you get the place you want. Everyone's happy. Life goes on and you save the person 10, out, 10 years out of the life. Exactly what is wrong with that? It's incredible, isn't it, that there's a solution right there and we're not looking at this properly, are we? Everybody's just essentially accepting the status quo and I suppose when we think about what we need to see from the next Prime Minister and their next sort of housing secretary, hopefully this is something that they're actually going to sit down and look at. I'm motivated, they're not. They're motivated by fear that they could be replaced. Who's taking the decision? It's called, the game is, follow the follower. I'm following you, you're following the next person, we're all going around in circles. Unless someone's brave enough to step outside and say, we've got a month to solve this, otherwise something really drastic is going to happen, they haven't got the incentive. Remember, the banks, the lenders, they own a product which is 25 years, usually. You could go out to 50. But they're incentivized largely to go back to you every two or three years and say, oh, hello, Scott, um, you, you, your fixed rate coming off. We have this um, fall-off rate, which is really punishing. We don't want you to go on that, but we can give you something which is probably 60% cheaper. And the good news is, yes, there is a fee, but we just add it onto the loan. Now, most people accept that because they're not being taught money in school. Mm. And to be honest, they've got a roof over their head. They want this thing to continue. They'll accept it. So if it's a scenario of 25 years and 2% every year, you're going to add 25 or more percent onto the balance of your debt. When did you think of that when you started out? Whereas if you lent long initially, what was affordable, then that would be fine. So there are solutions. But people aren't really wishing to combine the mentalities. I'll give you a scenario. Why isn't there a referral agency, how much would it cost? And maybe each uh, each party pays, I don't know, £300 a piece. So self-funding. How many people are denied a mortgage each year? I would suggest it's probably well over £500. If, if there was a central agency, they have standards, maybe it would give you a reply one way or another within, within 72 working hours. How hard is that? Chances are, if it's going there, there's a pretty good chance because the bank believes, or the lender believes, that actually this looks okay, but we can't do it. The regulator will be out there clear if they know that the product's going to be fixed for a period of time. And the numbers work. There's little, little point in anyone kidding themselves that they need a strong education when, when they know that what they're seeing is a variation of the Empress New Clothes. Fix it. And fix and, and do it on the basis that you're trying to help people in life, not hinder them. I'm happy for it. Sounds strange. I'm a landlord. Why on earth would I want to lose people in rented accommodation? Because I think there's always going to be people coming through. There will be fees. Be competitive, but actually allow people to have the life that you would wish were you, you in their shoes. It can be fixed. Not hard. I've given you a solution on that. I told you the scenario where it's ludicrous. And the number of people who relate to that, yeah, me too. I've gone in there and I got denied. It was crazy. I could afford it. 
And that's what you've got to look at, affordability. Isn't it interesting that the Bank of England, bless them, had a sensitivity test up until recently where they assumed a higher rate of interest just in case interest rates changed. Once they changed it, they got rid of it. So that, mm. you know, if they were making assumptions, great, it's so important. We're going to, we're going to be prudent. We're going to be looking after the best interests of people of, of this of the UK. And as soon as interest rates, oh look, there's a lot inflation prices right off. Oh, forget about it. So why, why why did you bother starting it? We need to have stability. In America, they've had loans that you that you get 25 years. You can re- renegotiate them down. In, in Denmark, I think you've had 14, 15 year deals. In Japan, now it's 100. You, you pass on the property with the loan. Where is this creative thinking? When you back people in Britain, we become leaders in sports. Now, look at the Olympics once you put, uh, curiously enough, gambling, uh, lottery money, behind people in sport. We come out second or third in the world at the Olympics. The only people that beat us are people with population either five or 22 times larger. So why don't we back the people in this country and in doing so, give them a chance for life earlier and maybe it could be two, three years along the line. Someone says, one or two, or both of them say, you know what, it'd be quite good to start a business. We've got some collateral in the property. And starting up a business, we'll look after ourselves. We might hire people and then give them tax, and the tax goes into the system. It helps houses, schools, defence, etc. That's pretty good, isn't it? But at this state, with rents going up, it'll be harder for them to get a deposit. And when they go in, they're going to be looking at high deposits, especially in London. And it doesn't have to be this way. I mean, from your point of view, would you like to see a system that could solve your problem sooner than later? I'm sure anybody would say that the answer to that is yes, isn't it? So why, on the basis, anyone that's got half, you know, half common sense would say yes. So why are government ministers making every endeavour to do what the, the populace would really like. Solve the problem because it ain't hard. Exactly that. There's a solution right there in the waiting and it certainly is food for thought for all within Westminster. And I suppose when it comes to, you know, the current Conservative leadership race, if you could sit Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak down in front of you or even both of them at the same time, I suppose you'd be hammering this out, wouldn't you? Because, I mean, this is something that these people need to be hearing because... The answer's there, and we just we just seem to be missing a trick with it. But Scott, I'm no genius. I'm a member of the public. Mm. I've come out with an idea. You put 20 people down, say, right, in you know, a pretty dramatic, we're not leaving this room until we get something coherent and sensible, and we can take off the, the, the issues of, uh, said, three parties. And is it in, can we do it in such a way that it benefits people and gets them go, going, gives them freedom of movement? freedom of expression, give me greater possibilities. I think you get you get a long way down the track with that scenario. You've got to have a belief that you're going to solve it. I've got loads of problems, you've got loads of problems. Somehow we, we still leave living and breathing at the end of it. But why do, do you want young people, people like yourself, going around with a backpack of troubles and difficulties when they shouldn't be that way? Release those sort of problems, give people a fighting chance, that there is a way out. Don't leave them in a position that they think, there's no way I'll ever afford a place. Look at this, it's so 
Africa where it's less hard. And as I say, that referral system costs nothing. Let's do something that costs nothing, because as I outlined, just minor costs for either side. Maybe the bank pays it and they can charge it onto the mortgage when they get straw down. They take the risk, but I wouldn't think there's much risk at the end of it if someone can cover the, the repayments by nearly fivefold. It's just a real shame, isn't it, that when you take something like this to civil servants, for instance, the answer that you would probably get is something along the lines of, oh, this is above my pay grade or it's in the too difficult box, when in reality it's actually very, very simple, isn't it? Sadly, the need needs to be sharpened up. People mm. all of a sudden thinking, no, 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 forget your status and stop looking over your back and wait for someone else. Who is going to make the decision and find out who's the decision maker and sit them around the table and say, let's hammer this out. Where's the, where's the weak point? And a system that allows people to get things that doesn't take decades. It could be done within a year. Save up a bit. We might even look at it and say, right, here's a scenario that no one's thought about. You know, these terrible landlords or home providers, maybe if they were to pledge equity to a young couple or individual, then there might be a tax offset. They may pay less tax because they're helping other members of society get started. I mean, I'm, I'm me. Okay, I've got a, a business, but no, as I say, I'm not a rocket scientist. Mm. I don't think you're, I don't think I'm getting the impression from you that I'm talking absolute nonsense. Absolutely not. It's perfectly straightforward, isn't it? And like, as you say, I mean, you ru- you ru- you run a business, so you're an industry professional, but you're not a genius. And obviously, it hasn't taken a genius to obviously work this sort of system you're proposing out. And it it just it it beggars belief, doesn't it, that like something like this has has been missed for so so long. I have to say. Well, yeah, I'm not a genius. I'm not stupid, and I'm thick-skinned, and I've seen this year after year after year. So in which year is it going to stop? Yeah, the ministers wouldn't have a clue. Because it, it's one of these things that drags on. It'll be someone else's hassle to deal with. But it's not a hassle. It's something that is is doable. We've just got to say, well, do we really want to do it? And as I say, there's certain vested interests. For example, the, the government can say, right, we're going to underpin a lender. You lend us that person 100%. We will indemnify you so long as this criteria, if you see that for the past minimum a year, or maybe two years, whatever it is, then that person can cover their interest at least twofold, and you can offer them a product for five years, we'll give them 100%. They may then say the difference between what you are paying on your, your rent and what you will be paying goes into a separate account and the maturity of five years will be used to pay down your mortgage. So instead of 100% paying for 100 for five years, whatever you save, maybe 500 a month, so that's 6,000 times five, that's 30,000. You, you wipe down your mortgage by 30,000. So it's no longer 100% mortgage, is it? Exactly that. Exactly that. And... Like I said, it's it's just staggering that something like this can be so easily missed. And I suppose the the hope is that... It's shameful, yeah. It's it's disgraceful. Uh, 
generally when I've spoken to professionals, they all say yes, yes, yes. I've, I've had I've seen, <laughs> I've had some of the darkest replies from lenders. Or you can say, no, if I give you a large money, a amount of money, reduced down the loan, you could give me one pound back. And the answer is yes. So you've got restrictions and mentality. You've got to think of how do we solve this? This isn't, this isn't hard stuff. And sure, children would, would grasp the concept. The children become adults. But now once they've left the school, once they've got their degree, once they're in a job, they kind of lose common sense and leave it to, I wonder if someone else can take the responsibility because <clears throat> I'm really keen on my pension and I want to retire in the years ahead and I don't want to risk things. You're not risking if you're helping. You've got to have people that are brave enough to do the right thing. And this day and age, people are very scared of the shadows. But uh, I'd like to think, one, I've solved the, the issue about why renting is expensive. It's 19 million spare rooms have, have changed. So there's only nine available. And I think those nine that are available are with people who are retired or elderly and won't be on the market. So it's a once and forever change. I think the rents will go up in the next two or three years, however long there's inherent uh, inflation. And I suspect, unless people listen to podcasts and write articles and papers and say, how are we going to solve this? But we may be speaking in two or three years' time, and you may still be waiting to get on the first rung of the ladder mm. to your home. And it's not correct. Imagine you've got three, uh, three, uh, and you've got brothers and sisters, and your parents. Your parents may have worked so hard through their life, and then at the end of the day, you're saying, well, look, mum and dad, I would like to get a place that would save me a fortune. They'll probably have to pay out a minimum of 125000 to help you in London, if it's London is your choice there. And they're not likely to do it just for you and not for your brother and your sister, so they'll out, be out of pocket 375000 So they could be absolutely... You know, they, they could be living on the knife edge. My system doesn't allow people to be in that position. And it allows you to get what you wish, to be self-respecting, stand up, confront the present, and look to the future with optimism. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that we've already been talking about this from sort of 2019 onwards when you originally wrote um, an article for the Parliamentary Review publication where this issue was raised. And now, of course, we're staring down the barrel of after the COVID pandemic, rent prices have now gone up and are continuing to rise. And so the situation is essentially getting worse, isn't it? And we just need to hope, don't we, that there is action, there are people listening and we're not having the same conversation another three to five years down the line where, again, we're probably staring down the barrel at an even more severe situation. Well, it, 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 it comes down to supply and demand. If we're having large numbers of people for whatever reason and viable, if people coming in and going to pay tax, fantastic. But we want to accommodate them. We want to give them a fair share of the possibility of a life that's going to be valued and, uh, and forward, pay your tax, bring in wealth and bring in uh, prosperity into your neighborhood and the surrounding areas, use the goods and services, be a decent citizen. I'm all for that, I'm sure, any reasonable-minded person. But we've not changed lending for years. I used to get awards in banks to see the obviousness. And you know, if we did this, you know, it might work. They used to talk about it. Oh, it wouldn't work. And then I would say, well, it is working for your, your competitors who did that. Adopt it and it would be fine. And then I struck out alone and it's never... 
doesn't look right, we don't do it. I'm open to suggestions and possibilities, and you know, let's see what we can do. And it's, it's enjoyable, but it does concern me when I meet nice men and women. And I, I, I take time out sometimes on a Saturday. Someone says, well, can you help my friend? Because they're in, yeah, I'll sit down. One guy was saying, oh, I, need, I understand you're in Vitalette. He's putting my hand, and I'm still kind of in that, but in commercial. He went away. He gets in touch. Two years later, he's got 25 places. He's happy. He's, he's employing someone, and he's doing things, and it's only being brave enough to step forward. So my view is to, if there are ministers listening, let's stop thinking about receiving things as they are and treat it as a challenge to overcome. A terrible thing in earlier life, um, there was a very nice person who professionally had been born in the East End of London, but he was actually working in America. So when you're in a privileged position, to have the background there, you're an American. What, what would you say is the biggest difference between British and American people? Well, I had to write the title, it's quite astonished. And you know, we start thinking, he said, well, American people see um, a restriction or a challenge as something to overcome, you know, a hurdle to overcome, where British people see it as a reason to give up. Oh my God, how awful. And yet, since then, and this, was, this was about 35 years ago, I see a lot of the give up mentality and it it comes down to treat it as a challenge and overcome it. Let's make things better. Not let me lose it's better to fail in the attempt than not even to, to have tried it. But why I wrote in that article was I think there's solutions, but only if people wish them. It will happen if you wish it. But if nothing else, if nothing else, do something for free. Use that referral system. So when people say, look, I think I've got a justifiable reason because the affordability looks good, and the bank hopefully will agree, then it can be referred to this agent. Here are the, the basic parameters. And people, people like yourself, like an accountant, like an engineer, an architect, whether retired or not, can look at it and say, does this make sense? And what would be safe for both parties? And then you get a certificate that says, right, Scott, stamp, rubber stamp. This says this is authorized by us. The regulator's happy because the pressure's off them. The lender's happy because it's off them. And you know, the lender's lending something they want to do to someone who is a good credit risk. They get on. Their mortgage book looks better. And people get on with the life. You got what you wanted, and you don't have to wait another ten years, and you don't dissolve the bank of mum and dad in the process. Mm. Food for thought, isn't it, for those in positions of power? And let's certainly hope that they do listen, because a solution is certainly there. And I have to say, Alistair, I mean, I would certainly would love um, to uh, to revisit this in future when we kind of see what action, if any, is being taken, because like, we we do need to see something done. Otherwise, like I say, the situation is only going to get more severe. Well, there are plenty of people underneath uh, certain uh, lenders. I mean, <laughs> um, there's certain people there, but people outside, you know, you need a spectrum of decent-minded people and ask them, 100 people, would you be interested in this? Yes or no? And I think governments could say, well, actually, we're doing what people are wanting. Let's get the solution. And they can do it. I mean, I've seen some of the ridiculous things in my time. I had to reorganize a lender's loan book. I said, you can't lend to that. 
it's just not a palatable loan. You, you, it's sadly in the third division. If you're holding yourself, I'll, I'll recalibrate it. They came back six weeks. They lent 250 million. They said, oh my God, this is a really good product. And we're meeting some terrific people. I said, really? Wow, what a surprise. So not everyone's got a right solution, but there are plenty of smart, smart people in this country and other countries. We can get better results. Let's stop. Let's stop messing about with vanilla when you can have a range of quality ice creams that are more flavorsome, etc. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. Exactly right. And to do that, it's all about just backing people, isn't it? Doing something good, wanting to help. And that's all that it boils down to, wanting solutions. Yeah. Well, here's one. This normally defeats most professionals. If someone gives you a service that you think is less, you say, would you give this service to your, your son or daughter? If there's a gap, then you know that they would, <laughs> that you're on the, you've got the upper hand. Because people will treat you almost in a different way, but they, they wouldn't allow it for any of their family, but they're mm. quite happy to pass this out. So let's look at things from the point of view. The acid test is, would you allow your family to be on the receiving end of this? And if so, why? That would cut a lot of nonsense out, wouldn't it? I only speak what I think is hopefully halfway common sense. I'm trying to provide a solution to a problem that's not really a problem. It's just you need three parties to sit down. Let's take a date. Let's work it out. So everyone comes out well with this. And that's all we need, isn't it? The dialogue to get that going. And it seems to be something that's taking years and years and years to happen. But hopefully now the urgency of the situation will mean it is time for action. Um, it's really unfortunate, actually, Alistair, that we're just about out of yeah, time no on the uh, the show today because it's been a really compelling sure. discussion, this. And uh, as I say, I would certainly love to revisit this in the near future when hopefully there'll be some really, yeah, really fun. good news to uh, to share um, on uh, on progress. Um, but until then, um, thanks ever so much for your time today and uh, food for thought for everybody tuning in, of course. And um, just to remind everybody, the, if you have been affected by some of the issues that we've discussed today or you're even at the, uh, the head of your own business or organisation your own views to share on this or any other issue that you've been facing then we do of course at the leaders council want to hear from you so you too can apply to be on the show and share that perspective with us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um, until then i do hope that you've all enjoyed listening to alistair kerr from acre properties today um alistair thank you again and do take care and do stay safe with all that is still going on thank you thank you and to every single one of our listeners tuning into today's podcast, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with myself, your host, Scott Chaloner. Do take care and goodbye. <laughs>